Great are you, Lord. Great is your name. Great are your ways. Great are you. Father, we praise you this morning. We lift up your holy name. We thank you, Father, that you have called us by that name. You've called us by your name. That we are engrafted into your family, to your kingdom. Thank you, Father. And Lord, our hearts do sing. Our hearts do exalt the name of Jesus. And this morning, Lord, as we continue to worship with the rest of this time together, we ask you, Father, to have your way. Speak how you want. Move how you desire. Father, we yield our will to you in every way. And we say, great are you and worthy of praise. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise you, Father God. Praise you, Father. You're so good. You're so good to us. You're so awesome, Father. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your holy name. Praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. It's good to enter into his presence. It's good to be with him. Praise God. It doesn't always go the way you think it should. You know, you don't you don't always take the same path. That's the great ooh, ha, there we are that's the great thing is that he is god and he gets to lead us and to guide us and we just follow him when we follow him we get everything glory to god it's time to receive an offering this morning ushers have offering envelopes they'll hand them out take one if you so desire if you don't desire that's fine too be led by him we be led by him in everything that's the great part about it is we just follow as he leads, if he, whatever he tells you to do. Um, real quick, I'm going to have uh, Vern Norton. If you Vern, if you want to come up, and uh, he has a exciting news, exciting uh, update with the uh, with the Freedom Group on Thursday nights. If you will look in your bulletins, you'll see that uh, this next Thursday night we have a uh, uh, a guest speaker coming in from Living Word Christian Center in Brooklyn Park. And she's the director of uh, Living uh, Free Recovery Services. Her name is Trina. And she's bringing in a couple of uh, uh, people with her. And one of the speakers is going to be from the Stillwater area, a young man that's been through a battle with drugs and alcohol, and he'll be giving his testimony. And, again, testimonies are important because it, uh, the Scripture says they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. A testimony has great power in it because it helps the people see direction by victory. And victory is what it's all about. And uh, I heard uh, this testimony one time. There was a man in downtown uh, Minneapolis, and he had uh, a chronic alcoholic. And he was on the street on Hennepin Avenue, and this young 15-, 16-year-old girl come by, and he said to her, uh, she said to him, uh, 
uh, Mr. Jesus loves you and you're so precious. And uh, he uh, cursed her out in so many terms and she went on her way. Well, a couple of days later, in a massive thunderstorm, he was drunk and going down the street and he fell and tripped and his face was off into the gutter and uh, bubbling water coming out of his nose and he turned his face and he said, if you're real, prove it. If you're real, prove it. And a hand lifted him up in the middle, got him right in his stomach and on the back, and his feet were completely off the ground, and he was stood up on the sidewalk. His drinking days were over. <laughs> now, many adults in here have uh, know uh, and have been around people that have struggled with drugs or alcohol. You have a testimony in your, in your own right, in a sense, about that. You can come to Living Free, or to the Living Group, the, the Freedom Group here, at any given night on Thursdays and give your testimony. We're open to that because, again, that testimony is about victory. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I would invite anybody to, uh, to come this next Thursday night because there's going to be a testimony shared and drugs and alcohol are not going to go away. The Stillwater area and all areas are inundated with heroin and, and other drugs. And, and this is the place where they get eternal medicine. Amen. The eternal word of God. The power of God. And the deliverance from uh, the, the drugs and alcohol. And there is a statement about that. The church is doing eternal work. Hospitals do temporary work. Treatment centers do temporary work. We're eternal we got the eternal God, we got the eternal power, we got the eternal word, and we got the eternal victory. And you should be willing to be able to talk to people that need to hear. Because the word will not come back void. It's full of power. I heard this while the music was going on. 1 Corinthians 15.33 It says, Corrupt behavior ruins good manners. There's some young adults in here messing around with people that are got evil character. They got evil manners. And it will ruin you if it gets a hold of you. I didn't say that. That's what 15, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says. Take the warning. Take the warning. Because it can save your life. It's what the Spirit of God is saying. And he's powerful. Then to Pastor John, this is no this will be a trip of words of power for you. You will deliver things on this trip, doing certain things by the Holy Spirit that you've not done before, but it will be encased, incorporated, encapsulated with power. Thank you. I love the announcement part of the services. Glory, glory to God. Glory to God. Brian, it's time to receive. Well, we're going to, he'll pray over the offering and everything else. In between. Good morning. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about not being distracted. Okay. 
and the verse, not just during worship, but, okay, um, the verse we're going to go over is James 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay? Now, you'll remember the last, the last couple offering messages I gave was on having a giving mindset, right? Remember that? Everybody remembers that, right? Right? Good, 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 good. Um, and the gist of it was, if we trust in God to take care of us, right, we won't be focused on our stuff. We won't be focused on our needs, our wants. We'll allow him to use us to take care of others, right? We'll be giving. Well, over the last couple of weeks, I've really been challenged whether or not I truly believe that. Um, and one, one time in particular, this last, this last Monday night, I was sound asleep, woke up, and the first thought, there's just a thought immediately came into my mind, how in the world are you going to take care of the expenses of your son and his college expenses this fall when you can barely cover the expenses that you've got right now? And I thought, you know, sat there for a little bit. And then the next thought come that came, what if you don't have enough? And I started to think about that. Wow, what, what if I don't have enough? And as soon as I thought that thought of doubt, okay, I could feel the fear, the dread, the worry just flood in, just wanted to come right in. And fortunately, I've been doing this long enough that I knew, whoa, I had to stop. I had to stop. I had to, whoa, hold on a second, hold on a second. I know this isn't right. I know this is not what I'm supposed to be feeling. So, whoa, hold on. Satan, shut your mouth. And let me ask you a question, okay? If you have a thought, thought of doubt that comes to you, and you start feeling fear and dread and worry come into you, is that thought from God? Absolutely not. So if it's not from God, it's from Satan, and it's part of the curse, okay? Now, there's one thing we know. If it's from Satan, what is it? It's a lie. It is a bold-faced lie. So, having fought the good fight of faith for a number of years, I've learned that there's two things that you do, okay? The first is you resist. You resist the lie. The second thing is you replace it with the truth, right? You resist the lie and replace it with the truth. So, fortunately, pretty quickly, I, I said, whoa, okay, I know something's not right here. And, and the other thing we should be realizing, if there's anything that steals our peace, it should go off like an alarm inside of us. Warning, 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 something's not right. Something is not right. That's what the Holy Spirit does. If you're, if you're not feeling peace, it should be an alarm going off inside of you. 
so I knew to stop the thoughts, to say, no, we're going to have enough. We are not going to lack because my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory. The blessing of the Lord makes me rich and he has no sorrow with it. So that's what we do. We resist and replace. So, why does Satan do that? He tries to distract us, right? He tries to distract us. He tries to get our minds and our focus off of the promises of God, what we're believing for, off of his word, and back again onto us. Our problems, our needs, what we're going through, our health, finances, whatever it is, okay? So what we need to do, and, and he tries to get us bound up. He tries to get us bound up in that worry, the fear, the dread. Because when we allow that into our, into our minds and into our hearts, he, it cuts us off from the blessing. Okay? So again, what do we do? We need to resist the lies. We need to resist it. Resist the fear, resist the worry, resist the doubt. We replace it with the truth. We replace it with the word, okay? And then when we do that, that allows us to focus again on him, focus on his word. It allows us to get to the point where we're again trusting in him. We're trusting in him that he's taking care of us, and then we're no longer again focused on us, focused on our stuff. We can be focused on being used by him to help others, to have a giving mindset. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you give us the Holy Spirit that helps us know what is the truth and what is the lie. Thank you for your blessing. Father God, we ask you to bless the tithes and offerings that are given today. Thank you for multiplying them. Father God, thank you for for leading us and guiding us. Thank you for teaching us. We are so thankful. We are so, so very thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, as Vern said uh, just a few moments ago, um, I'm going to be heading out this afternoon. I'm going to be uh, in Hungary and Romania for the next week and a half. Uh, Dan and Marta are already there or on their way there. Brian Eager has been there for a day and a half. Uh, we're meeting up with uh, Pastor Thomas from Switzerland. He's flying in tomorrow. Uh, and Pastor Pavel and Irina are driving from Belarus. Uh, they're going to be meeting, and we're going to be doing three different uh, groups of meetings, three different, um, well, mini-conferences, I guess is the best way to say it. The first three days that we're there, we're going to be in the uh, town of Uska, where it's right on the border of the Ukraine, and one of the desires... Uh, of the team is actually to go into Ukraine and pray for Ukraine. So we may do that one day. Um, they want to cross the border. I said, there's just a berm. All we have to do is go up and over the berm. And uh, they don't think that's a good idea. So uh, we'll see how that works out. Um, but 
in that town of Uska, we're going to be meeting with uh, ministry leaders, pastors during the day uh, from a number of different churches. Since we were there even a year ago, um, God has opened up many doors. The church that we work with there is now working with, I believe, five or six other churches um, that have started up, that have, and, and the, it's a revival. Uh, God is moving mightily among the, the Roma people of that area. And in the evenings, we're going to be doing Holy Ghost meetings. Um, and uh, it's just going to be a wonderful time. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to that. Uh, at the end of this week on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of next of this coming weekend, I've uh, been asked to come to go, go to Pastor Attila's church in uh, Tolna, uh, Hungary, and uh, there we're going to be doing a three-day conference on faith. And it's a long story, but they've, they have struggled with the, the Word of God where it comes to faith. Where, what, what is faith? What isn't faith? What is, what is uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, man-made belief on faith? And they've struggled with it because there's been all kinds of really goofy teaching over there when it comes to faith. And uh, people believe that, you know, many people in the church believe that all they have to do is sit by the, by the mailbox and God will supply all their needs according to his riches and glory through the postal service. And uh, we know that's not true. You know, the Bible says we need to work, put our hand to the plow, work, and he'll bless the work of our hands. And that's faith. That's what real faith is. And so we'll be teaching on faith for three days, and then we'll be going into Hungary, or into Romania, sorry, uh, for three days uh, from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, and ministering in Sikahid along the same lines, working with the uh, leadership, but also teaching on faith while we're there. So it's going to be a a powerful time. going to be good. But since I'm not going to be here next Sunday, uh, I've asked my, my brother Vernon uh, to come and minister. And I said, well, but since you're coming next week also, you know, why don't you come this week? Because I've never been here when he's preached. So I thought, you know, I, I really would like to hear him preach. You know, I mean, I, I've heard stories of, of the goofy teachings he, he puts out, but uh, no. You know, it's, it's interesting. You, have, you know, everybody, most everybody here has brothers and, and uh, sisters and family and so on and so forth. And, and as you're growing up, you know, there's varying degrees of, of family relations and what, you know, how you see your brothers and sisters and how you recognize them and so on and so forth. And uh, back in the 70s, early 70s, I was trying to remember probably the exact dates, but 72, 73, uh, he was the Jesus freak. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, we, we always went to church, and we, you know, you know, went to church, the kind of church that preached born again, but one day he comes home and he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, 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 exactly, you know, and he starts wanting to lay hands on you and stuff like that, you know, and to pray for you for healing and all that, and I, we thought he was weird, you know, and he is, but that's uh, beyond the point. But praise God, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Because it was because of that uh, flavor in his life that when I came back to the Lord and I would... uh, I would meet people afterwards and said, oh, you're John Neitzel? Your brother always had us pray for you at the, at the Bible studies that we were at. 
You're a Christian? Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. But because of that flavor, when I came back to God, I knew the Holy Spirit was real. I knew the Holy Spirit was for today. And uh, he's been a real blessing. So I've asked him to come and preach today, and, and uh, he'll be here again next Sunday, so he'll be able to do a series, you know, mini-series. But praise God. Welcome, my brother, Vernon Neitzel. I'm going to let Sherry, I'm going to let Sherry, uh, say yeah, I praise God. Well, this is my uh, lovely wife, Sherry, and she's going to uh, share a few words. And uh, if she goes the whole time, I'll just, <laughs> you'll hear me next week. <laughs> Good morning, family. <clears throat> I just have been just pondering, uh, you know, just how central faith is to who we are and just what a blessing it is that we are family, that whoever received him and believed on his name gives the power to become the children of God, that it just doesn't go deeper than that and how precious and choice it is when you have flesh family, blood family that you share the Lord with. It's just the best. So I just am really excited to hear what Vern has to say because I'm one of his fruits as well that when a young girl who did not know what end, what end was up or down, raised in the Lutheran church and wondering who is the true God, I was looking for somebody who really had their feet on the ground and God brought Vern across my path. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> so I just want to encourage you to just lean forward a bit and open your ears. The, we all probably have scriptures, but one of those scriptures that has always struck terror in my heart is the Revelation 21.8 where it says, among the whoremongers and the adulterers and the murderers that will be cast in the lake of fire is the fearful and unbelieving. So we started out by faith. We are who we are by faith, and it doesn't end there. We keep reaching. We keep going to another, another level. It was credited to him, not by what he did. Abraham wasn't saved by what he did, although those things follow, and that's important. But it was credited to him when he believed God. So it just seems like every level, higher and higher, we're still at, in that same pattern. We're believing God, putting the lean on him to bring it to pass. Whatever we're facing, whatever our need is, whatever our you know, quirks are that we're trying to work with, it's by faith that we're going to get there. So, I would like to pray. Lord, we just surrender our ears and our hearts to you, and we ask you, Lord, to stir up our faith. Stir up our faith this morning as Vern just opens his mouth. I thank you, God, for the message that you will bring forth. We just set ourselves in agreement in faith that you will bring it forth, and our lives will be changed this morning in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Praise God. Well, John might say that I'm weird, but I get the podium here for the next 45 minutes, so. (laughs) I don't know why he calls me a Jesus freak after I met Sherry and we jumped a train and, and, and rode down to Iowa in December and then hitchhiked around the United States preaching on the streets. 
That doesn't make anybody weird, does it? <laughs> okay. I, I wanted to, uh, to deliver a very powerful message this morning because the, the, the subject is one of the most, probably other than love, the most central subjects of the entire Bible. The subject is faith. John asked me to preach on faith, and now I realize why he wants to take notes, and that's what he's going to preach on over in Europe. (laughs) He had me write his sermon for him. (laughs) And... uh, I wanted it to be a stem winder. I wanted everything to be just perfect and stuff. And it's been really tough. Uh, for some reason, it's been like I told John this morning. It's like trying to run through waist-deep mud, trying to get ready for this morning. And as you can see, I put the wrong shoes on this morning. I've got my everyday shoes. I mean, they're not, they're not bad. I, I, I super glued them the other day back together. And so, actually, I used to... Uh, liquid nails and it's holding up pretty good so so I wanted everything to be prim and proper and everything and 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 I'm sitting here saying God you know you got to help me and I had this distinct picture of Jesus not prim and proper he was sitting on a couch with his legs folded with his arm up on the couch and I just thought okay today's a let down your hair day we're not, it's not going to be all perfect and everything. Because you can see by my notes, this is going to be a choose-your-own-adventure sermon. <laughs> I preached on faith down in, in uh, uh, Columbia a couple years ago for YWAM. I teach at YWAM bases, and I, and I taught uh, on, the, on the banks of the Amazon River, way out in the jungles. You have to fly to get there. When I got there, you know, you, sometimes you feel a little claustrophobic being in a third-world country, and, and so you kind of want to know where your exit uh, doors are just in case because the police are carrying Uzis around so you know it's not you know it's not so we're in the jungles of Columbia where where the gorillas are and and not ooh gorillas I mean they're the, <laughs> the ones that carry the AK-47s around and uh, and so you know you feel a little claustrophobic sometimes going into these third world countries you know okay where's the exit doors where's the lifeboats where's the so I asked the guys I said so you know What's, how, do you, how do you leave this town if you had to leave this town? I said, well, there's two ways, the airport and the Amazon River. That was the only two ways. There were no roads in and out of this place. So, but I taught there for an entire week, five days, four hours a day on faith. John's given me a half hour. <laughs> so that's why my notes are just like, oh, how am I going to do this? But we'll give it a shot, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we turn this over to you right now, and I know how important this subject is to you. So, Father, I pray that you will be the one to speak. Your heart will be shown. Lord, these people came hungry for you today. They came hungry wanting to hear something real from you. And, Lord, I pray that you will shine right now and speak your words and cause your actions to be done so that these people are fed with your glory, your power, your life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, what is faith? We're going to start there. 
what is faith? A lot of people have a lot of things that come to their mind when they think of what is faith, and, uh, and most of them are wrong. Most of them are wrong. I went on a walk uh, a few years ago out at Hormel Nature Center, which is near our place. And I was walking, and I looked across the field, and there was a farm way out there that I had looked at uh, a few years before that. The farm was on foreclosure, it was cheap, and it would have been a very good thing for our family to have gotten that farm. Instead, I've raised uh, uh, 12 kids in town. It hasn't been near as fun as it would have been out in the country. And I'm walking and I'm looking at that farm and I'm just thinking, I missed it. I missed it. And I've missed it so many times. Why, why have I missed it so many times in so many ways? And I want to bring something real to you this morning. Sometimes we hear faith messages from the big guys, and they don't want to show their dirty laundry because they want, I mean, they have a big ministry, they need money, keep coming in and stuff. They don't want to share their dirty laundry, but they all have dirty laundry. They've all missed it. And every so often, I've heard even the Kenneth Hagans and the Kenneth Copelands and the, and the Jerry Savilles tell some of their disaster stories of where they have missed it and where they've crashed and burned. And... I want to bring that out right away this morning, that I have learned some things in faith. I'm telling you, faith is an, it, it is an exciting message. Because if you're going to go on the faith trip, buckle your seatbelt. You're going to go for a ride. You're going to go for an amazing ride. It goes way out of the ordinary. It is not the ordinary life anymore. You have signed up for something amazing. Because suddenly you have tapped into the power and the authority and the resources of Almighty God. And it is not the same anymore. Okay? So, so I've learned some things. I've raised 12 kids. I don't have a high school diploma. I don't, you know, I, I don't have a rich dad. My dad worked in a meatpacking plant, and thank God he paid the bills, he raised us, he loved us, but he was not rich. He did not get me a college degree. And he did not show me how to become an entrepreneur and how to make a lot of money. He loved me. He supported me when I did it. I didn't do the college degree. But, um, but he, he was supporting me. But he just, he, that was not, you know, we talk about rich dad, poor dad. Well, our dad was neither one. He wasn't poor, but he wasn't the rich uh, dad that took you under his wing and said, no, this is how you, how you get ahead in business. He, he just wasn't that. He didn't have that to give. Okay. So I was on my own. When I left home, and, and uh, Sherry talked me into jumping that train, we, uh, we started out having kids when we were 18, and, you know, I married a fertile turtle. So, you know, I, I mean, these kids start coming, and it's like, wah, wah, feed me, you know, and it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden there's another one, and then all of a sudden there's another one, and it's like, you know, I've I, I got to figure this thing out. I got to start figuring out how to make money here because it's going to take money. No comments from there. There you go. You got. I was going to say we finally bought him a television, yeah. but that was. A, I was in his backslidden days. <laughs> um, so anyway, I've learned some things of, of how to make faith work. Because I was sitting without work one day. 
and bills stacking up, kids are crying, um, wife feels like she needs a pair of shoes once every two years. I, you know, it's like, <laughs> how am I going to make this work? How am I going to? And the Holy Ghost said something very plain to me because as I was driving around Hollandale, I was seeing other people my age and not too far from my age doing very well. You know, they had nice jobs, driving new pickups, living in a nice house, looking very respectable, looking very good. I wasn't. I, we were poor. I mean, when we had our third, third child, we didn't have running water in the house. I had to run to town and, get, and fill up a, fi, a five-gallon, no, a 30-gallon trash can with water at the, at the local park and bring it home so she could have sits bath because she just brought a new baby home. We didn't have, we didn't have running water for, for months, I don't think. I mean, we were in trouble. I was in dire trouble financially. I had a little boy that got sick. He had intestinal uh, infection. And his little heart was racing. It freaked me out one night. You know, this little kid's sick. He's not feeling good. I listened to his chest because I could feel it. I listened to his chest and it's going, boop, 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 boop. I didn't know a heart could beat that fast. And I was like, my God, I'm sitting here destitute in a house I've got bills up to the nose and my kid's dying. What am I going to do? What, where, what is this? I don't understand this. I want to serve God with all my heart. I did. I, I loved God. And I wanted to preach the gospel around the countries. And here I am, tied up in a knot, and I can't move because I don't have any money. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a disgrace. The, the community has seen me not being able to pay my bills and stuff. And it was ugly. It was really ugly. And I cried out to God. I said, what am I supposed to do? I don't understand this. What am I supposed to do? And the Holy Ghost said this very plain, and it's come back to me over and over again through the years. Vern, you're not going to be able to go just get a regular job. You're not going to be out. This isn't going to work like this for you. It's working like this for your friends. They're just going to get a job. They're paying their bills. They've got a wife. They've got kids. And everything's fine. That's not the way it's going to be with you. Unless you do this by faith, it's not going to happen. You can sit in poverty and sickness the rest of your life. If you don't do this by faith, it's not going to work for you. And that's been the truth. That has been the truth. Now, we've made it work. We've raised 12 kids. Our kids are doing well. We've got, most of them have gone through college. Some of them are, have very distinguished jobs and so we've made it work, but it has been a blood and guts battle at times. And that's another image that I want you to uh, want to pop right away this morning, talking about people not wanting to share their dirty laundry. It's blood and guts sometimes. The faith battle is not always a clean battle. If you look at the, at the battles in the Old Testament, sometimes it said they didn't lose a man. They went into battle, and they destroyed the enemy, and they did not lose one soldier. That's wonderful. That is like, whoo-hoo, yeah, glory, hallelujah. But it didn't, that didn't happen every time. Sometimes it listed they lost 30 men. They lost 50 men. Well, those are real lives. Those are real men that died out there on the battlefield. Why? Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We have the God of the universe fighting for us. How come we lost 30 men? So it's not always a clean, clear victory in faith. And if you've fought some of these battles in faith, and I'm sure you have, 
and you've wondered why you've gotten your nose bloodied up, because this isn't a clean fight. This is a street fight. This, isn't a, this is no holds barred fighting with the devil. And he's mean. He will destroy you in any way he can. If he can't get to you, and I've seen this through the years, if he can't get to you, he'll get to the people around you. He'll get to your family, he'll get to your friends, he'll get to your boss. I've seen business deals go dry. And it's like, what in the world? Because the guy that I was going to deal with just died. It's like, what, what in the world? And I just remember, yeah, that's right. If he can't get to me, he'll get to the guys around me. And so I start praying for the people I work for, the, 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 the clientele that my business has, and my employees, and other people around me. I start praying for them. Because if the devil can't get it to you, he's, he, he's fighting dirty. He'll, he'll fight and destroy and kill any way he can. And we need to take it seriously. This faith battle, this faith walk is not a pretty... And, and, and that's how I was going to start out. You know, I better look at a clock. What, what time did I start? No, I'm, this time I'm going to be decent on this one. <laughs> what time? 10.35. Okay, so at 11 o'clock. All right. So, um, no, I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, the faith battle is, 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 is a fight. It is not a clean fight. It's a get-down-dirty fight. But it's a fight that has to happen, and it's a fight that we have to win. Okay? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. What is faith? I'll tell you what, not, what, it, what it's not. Okay? We'll start there. It's not positive thinking. Now, there's nothing wrong with positive thinking. Positive thinking is good. You ought to wake up in the morning going, you know, today's going to be a good day. You can choose that. You can choose today's going to be a good day. And, I, and thank God I've got a, a brain. I've got arms that work. I've got legs that work. I'm going to, you know, you can be cheerful. You can be positive thinking. That's a good thing. That is not faith. I can tell you right now, that is not faith. But it's a good thing. If you walk in faith, you are going to be a positive thinker. But just because you're a positive thinker doesn't mean you're walking in faith. Do you understand that? If you're walking in faith, you're going to have a positive outlook because the Word of God gives us tremendous promises. I mean, it, it said that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. Why would he stagger at the promise of God? Because they're immense. The promises of God are tremendous. Jesus said, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Holy mackerel! That is an open check. That is a signed check by Jehovah God and says, you fill in the amount. That, we, could, we stagger at that kind of stuff. Churches around the world stagger at that. There's whole sermons built against that thought. That Don't, don't go there. Don't think that he really meant that. <laughs> because the promises of God are staggering. They're huge. And so we need to realize what we have in Christ Jesus, what we have, has been given to us, and we need to enter in. We need to begin to purposely choose to head in that direction. It's not, it's not going to fall on us like ripe cherries. It's a choice that we make to walk by faith, and it's work. It doesn't just happen. Okay, so it's not positive thinking. Faith is far deeper than that. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. It is not a mystical force that just kind of, ooh, so that you can become a faith healer. 
They talk about faith healers. Somehow you come up here, I'll you know, lay hands on you and, and something's going to happen and, and, and you're going to get healed. They, the news media, the worldly people call that a faith healer. Almost every person that I know of that preaches faith and teaches faith and lays hands on people will not allow people to call them a faith healer. Because it has a connotation of something mystical and strange and it just, you know, something happens in their meetings and, you know, it, that is not what faith is. It's not just something mystical out there. Faith is very defined. Okay? And faith can be apprehended by our choosing to apprehend it. It's not something that just necessarily uh, floats on you. You choose faith. Okay? (laughs) Faith is not a mamby-pamby term like, keep the faith, brother. You know? Keep the faith. Are you in faith? Yeah, I'm faith. What, what's faith? I don't know. I, I believe God. There's a God. Oh, then we're in faith, you know. I mean, this whole thing about keep the faith. What's your faith? When you fill out an application, what's your faith? Well, I'm a Baptist or Presbyterian or, or I'm, I'm a Pentecostal or I'm, I'm Buddhist or I'm, you know, what's your faith? Well, that is not what the meaning of faith is. All that is is a label that you are putting on what your understanding of who God is. That's all that is. Your your application filled in blank of what's your faith, that's just a title. It has really very little to do with faith. When the Bible talks about faith, it's talking about something that can move mountains. It's, It's talking about something that can part seas. It's talking about something that can open blind eyes. We're talking about something extremely powerful. Not some mamby pam. It's like the difference between plugging in to a thirteen thousand volt high uh, uh, high voltage line. I used to work around and when I uh, did construction for a utility, and, and at thirteen thousand volts compared to a little C size battery over here, there's a big difference. Okay, when you're talking about the high voltage, you get a respect <laughs> inside of you that you play by the rules and you don't screw up. And when you start on it and walk in in faith, you don't screw up. Because you've got an enemy that wants to kill you. You've got an enemy that wants to destroy you and, and just smash your face down into that faith message and go, See, it didn't work, did it? I know, I know a lot of people that way. That tried faith. That tried to begin to believe God and walk by the promises. And they had their face smashed down into those promises and go, See. You ever going to do this again, boy? Oh, no, no, I'm not going to do that. You ever going to try to believe God again? No, no, I wouldn't do that. No, I, no, sir, I won't do that. See, the devil wants to do that. You've got an enemy that wants to destroy you and wants to teach you a lesson. Don't you ever talk faith again. You just be a normal Christian. You just sit in your pew and you just be a nice guy. You show up for Sunday school. You pay your tithe if you have to, but don't talk faith again or I will take another one of your kids and kill them. We have an enemy, and he's a real enemy. And we're talking about real, a real decision. If you want to walk by faith, okay, it will be the most glorious thing you've ever done. It will bring you riches and honor and an adventure higher than you can imagine. But you've got to realize it's, okay, buckle your seatbelt. You're going for a ride here. And it's the only way. It's not like we can choose whether we want to go by faith or not. It is the only way to please God. It says in Hebrews, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you realize that? Do you realize that if we just decide to be the nice uh, pew person and fold our hands and just, you know, 
okay, I'll go to church and I'll join the men's group and, and we'll go uh, paintballing and, and, and have a good time. And, and, and that's my faith now. That's, that's Christianity to me. Do you realize that we can't please God that way? The only way to please God is to get the promises out and say, sign me up. Sign me up. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something for you, God. And it's not going to be something small. Because, you see, God doesn't do small stuff. Well, he does small stuff. Yes, he does atomic stuff. But even the atomic stuff is big. Because that's what they're talking about over in Iran and America. Negotiations right now. They're talking about atomic things. <laughs> okay. So even in the small things that God does, he does big. Okay. You sign up for faith. You're, ta- you're signing up for something big. You see, God believes in you. God put something powerful inside of you. And then he empowered you with promises that are almost beyond belief. And I, I thought, you know, this morning I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I shouldn't come and stir them up for something tremendous and horrendous because maybe they're just an average church. So maybe I shouldn't go up and stir them up. And then the Holy Ghost told on you. <laughs> the Holy Ghost said, wait a minute. I said about these guys you're going to meet on Sunday morning that John the Baptist, he was the greatest man since the creation. That there was no men in the Old Testament that were greater than John the Baptist. And then he said, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is going to be greater than John the Baptist. That's every one of you. I'm assuming everybody here is a believer and I'm... If you're not, don't leave this room without becoming one. But every child of God in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist, who was greater than Daniel, David, Moses, Abraham. We are without excuse. We have no excuse. God said, I want you to live by faith. I want you to believe me. I want you to believe me for that promise and that idea that I put in your heart years ago, that thing that you won't even tell people because it's so out there that you don't dare even talk about it. God said, it's possible. All things are possible with God. To him that believeth. So this morning, God wants to take those dreams that you've had inside of you that you don't even want to tell anybody about because they're out there. They're like... <laughs> You know, I, I'm, just, I'm just common Joe. I don't, you know. God wants to take those things and say, you know something? You are something. You are a child of the Most High God. You are a son and a daughter of the King of Kings. Heaven snaps their heels when you walk by. And I want you to open up the treasury and get what you need out of there to go do the thing I told you to do. That's an amazing thought. You know what's in that treasury? Do you know what's behind that vault door? Anything we could possibly need. I have a friend that that, uh, we lived side by side with a few years ago. His name is Matt McPherson. You can have my water here. His name is Matt McPherson. Anybody ever heard of Matt McPherson? Matthew's Archery? Okay. Matthew's Archery, if you go to any store, grocery store, whatever right now, 
where they have all the magazines and stuff there, and there's a few archery magazines. You pick up any of those archery magazines, and you go to the most expensive ads in the, in the archery magazine, the centerfold. You go to any of those archery magazines, you open up the centerfold, and there will be Matthews Archery. They are the largest bow manufacturer in the world today. Well, Matt used to live next door to me. Both of our wives were named Sherry, and our kids used to play with his kids, and uh, we knew each other very well. Well, he didn't used to be Matthew's Archery. He didn't used to be a multi-multi-millionaire. Matt makes more in a week than I've made in many, week, in many years. Okay, How did he get there? How did he get into the vault? Because that's how he got it. That's where it came from. He figured out how to get in the vault. How did he do that? Well, he was praying one night. And he said, God... The, the thought came to him, yeah, this is how it went. The thought came to him one day, I have the answer to every one of men's needs and desires and questions. I have the answer. And he stopped and he thought, yeah, I believe that. I believe God does have the answer to everything we could possibly need or want. Okay. And he's going about his business and all of a sudden the Lord spoke again and he said, I'll give it to anybody that asks me of it. And he stopped, and he thought, well, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. Okay, and he took God up on it. <laughs> that's how he got in the vault. <laughs> he took up God up on it. He says, all right, I make bows. And he, and he made just simple bows, just, you know, just the, the, the uh, what do they call them, Curve, uh, recurves. He made recurves. He made different things. He was an auto body guy. You've heard of Abra Auto Body? Matt started it, Matt and his brother. Um, Abra Autobody, I guess. And so he was just an autobody guy. His dad taught him autobody and uh, didn't have a lot of money. But he heard that promise dropped into his heart. I will give you whatever you want. I have all the answers. Well, he was a very curious guy about how bows work and stuff. He, the, the compound bows had come out at that point, and, and he was, you know... So he always thought, you know, there's got to be a better idea. There's got to be a better way to make these, these compound bows. So he looked up in heaven. He thought, I'm going to take up God on this. He looked up in heaven and he said, all right, show me the best made bow out there. There's got to be a better bow than just the normal compound bow. What is it and how does it work? Ended his prayer, went back to work. Middle of the night he wakes up. And he wakes up and he sees the blueprint for the first high let off bow out there. It was a 70% let off. When they pull the bow back, if you're pulling 70 pounds and waiting for that buck to come out into the open, you're holding a lot of weight. Okay? And the compound bows figured out a way so that it would release a certain amount of tension so you're not holding 70 pounds waiting and waiting and waiting. Matt's idea led off, uh, I believe it was 70% of that 70 pounds. So you, you're not holding a lot of weight all of a sudden. You can stand there and wait a long time for that buck to come out in the clearing. It revolutionized the bow industry. And he had investors come in right away and bought half the company. Investors from Austin, Minnesota, where I live, and that's how Matt moved down to Austin and we live next to each other. Okay, 
few years later, Matt comes over and says, Vern, look at this idea I had. He had another idea. And then he had another idea. And then he had the idea of how to make the wheels turn so that there was no timing anymore. They were the same shape, the same size, and there was no tuning and timing the bow anymore. Again, that revolutionized the bow industry. They all use it now. Just about every bow you see, a, a compound bow, uses his wheels. Okay. And he's become a multi multi man. He figured out how to get in the vault. Okay. The way to get in the vault is faith. God has chosen faith to be the pathway to obtain the things that are out there in the unseen. And they're out there. They're there. The Bible is full of promises. The Bible is full of descriptions of the heavenly kingdom. Someday we'll be walking on streets of gold. Asphalt will be ridiculous. Gold will be ridiculous. The streets will be paved with them. So the wealth of God is immense. There's no problem with God being heaven enough. (laughs) There's no problem. The problem is getting it from there to here. The problem is getting past that, that vault door. And you see, we have, every one of us sitting here has a right to go through that door. Every one of us. You have the right, you have the password. You know you have the password? Passwords are important. We know that today. What's your PIN number? You don't have to tell me here. You can tell me later outside. (laughs) But what's the password? There is a password to get through that vault, and you have it. You have that name above every name. It belongs to you. It's been given to you. You have it. Now, what are you going to do with it? Oh, I got this password. Yeah, I can't pay my bills this week. I got this password. This, yeah, this goofy password. I don't know. Sure, wish God would, would show up. Wish, I wish God would do something here. Yeah, he's given me this password and this code, and, and, he, and he's you know, told me to, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know. You know, that, that really blessed me that, that what you said this morning about, about, because I've been there a million times. I know exactly what you're talking about, where the, where the devil comes in. With that fear, that cold, icy fear in, that, in your belly, saying, Ooh, you are in trouble. You're in trouble. And, and like you say, you've, you've gone through faith for years. I know exactly that you learned some tricks. And, we're, and next week we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff next week when John's not here because, you know. <laughs> but... Uh, but you learn some tricks. You learn some, some ideas that, that work in faith that you didn't know way back then. Oh, I wish I knew back then what I know now. Because I've learned, I've learned some things. I've learned to ignore the devil's lies, just like he was talking about. The devil is a liar, which means it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. So what is true? This is true. This is true. And you can bank your life on it. And that is where faith starts is where you open this book and you begin to see what does God say about this. Well, gee, that's not what the doctors are saying. That's not what the, the economists on the, on, on the TV are saying. God says it's going to be okay. These guys say it's not going to be okay. What are you going to believe? Which way are you going to go? You see, we as human beings, like we don't like to be lied to. We tend to believe things. That's why so many people get ripped off by telephone scammers and stuff. You just tend to want to believe that people are telling you the truth. You don't want to think, oh, this guy is an out-and-out liar. 
You want to tend to believe that, you know, if a guy, if a guy says, hey, I, I got a flat tire, can you help me out? You, you tend to want to think, oh, I better help this guy out, he's in trouble. You don't want to think, he's trying to rip me off. He's, no, 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 don't, you know, you don't want to become paranoid. You want to believe the best in people, okay? But when you have two reports come to you that are exactly opposite, you have to admit one of them is a lie. One of them is not true. And when you start walking in faith, you have to come to that realization of calling a lie a lie and calling the truth the truth and saying to the guy that told you the lie, get out of here. You are a liar and a deceiver and you get out of my life in the name of Jesus. Now, you don't say that to the doctor, but you say that to the spirit that's behind that medical report, putting that fear in your gut saying, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. You see? And it's important to fight. It's, it's a fight. It's not a passive, lay down, enjoy life. You have to fight every day because those lies are going to come every day. And as a matter of fact, to give you a little more bad news, the devil knows that his time is short. It's going to get worse. He's going to get more vicious. He's going to get more tenacious. And if we ever needed to learn faith, we need to learn it now. The Bible says, if you've run with the footmen and they've wearied thee, how canst thou contend with horses? That means if you have run in normal good times and you haven't been making it, how are you going to make it when, things, when, when, when the crap hits the fan? Which means, if you're not making it now, it's time to get, it's time to get busy. It's time to get the Word of God out. And start reading and meditating every day and get your defenses up. Get that brick wall built quick. Get your swords out. Get your shields out. Get ready to fight. Because if, you haven't, if you're not in the middle of a fight today, which I believe every one of us probably are, you, it's coming. Especially if you're a Christian. Especially if you are a wave-causing Christian, which means you're making waves. <laughs> you're making waves in... In, in eternity, you're, you're pushing for the things of God and you're bugging the devil. He's coming after you. And it's time to get our defenses up. It's time to begin walking by faith. I'm going to run through these really quick. What is faith not? Um, I think I've already talked on this about keeping your, keeping your chin up. Keep the faith, brother. I mean, you know, what, keep the faith, brother. What does that mean? Two bank robbers could say that to each other. <laughs> Two bank robbers, they, they, oh, the, 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 the vault, you know, the, the thing they're trying to break into isn't, isn't working, and one's starting to get down, and the other one says, hey, come on, keep the faith, you know. We're, I mean, they could say that in a bank robbery. So that has nothing to do with faith. Faith is way deeper than that. It's not mind over matter, like the Christian scientists teach. Christian scientists teach that you say, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. Don't believe you're sick. I will not believe I'm sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. And somehow mind over matter will change that symptom, change that sickness. Okay? I'm, most of you, maybe at least many of you have seen the movie The Matrix. The Matrix is a very interesting story showing kind of what faith is and what it's not. But anyway, in the story is a uh, uh, little kid 
who's learning these mystical arts, and he's bending this spoon without touching it. Remember that? And, the, and he says, how are you doing that? And the little kid says, well, the first thing you have to realize is there is no spoon. Which means you have to realize that everything's in the mind, and if you change it in your mind, you can change it in this, you know. That's, that's Eastern mysticism. That is not faith. Now, it, it, it comes close to faith in some things, but not in all things, okay? I'll tell you the secret of what faith is that cha- that's different than all those other things. Faith has to be built on the Word of God. You can't just decide today, I'm going to confess a million dollars in. A million dollars coming, a million dollars coming, I believe a million dollars coming, I'm going, I'm going to say it a million times, a million dollars is coming, and it's going to come. It's, you, know, that, you can't just decide that. What do you base that on? Faith, real faith, has to be based on something that is a higher power than what you are. It has to be an authority that's above all other authorities. And then it has the ability to change what we see. Okay? So, I see this podium. I can act like it's real. I can touch it. I can, I can stand on it or whatever. If the Bible says this podium doesn't exist, then that has to change what I, the way I act. I have to start acting like, no, it doesn't exist. Okay? That, that's a real crude example. But in, when you're talking about finances or sickness or believing God for something to happen tomorrow that looks impossible, you have to start saying, I'm going to believe this instead of that. How does that happen? How do you just decide that? Let me give you two really good examples, and then I think we, we are done. We're out of time. Two real good examples. One is, I'm a, I'm a building contractor, and for years I used to get up on scaffolding. First time in the springtime you get up on scaffolding, it's like, all right, <laughs> I can do this. I, I have to do this because I'm making a living doing this, so I have to get up on this steep roof. I have to get up on this scaffolding. I have to walk this plank three stories high. I have to do it, so I'm going to do it. And you force yourself to do it. You're shaking, you know. But you force yourself to do it until you finally get used to it enough and, and realize, I, you know, where your abilities are, and you start to relax. One year, I got angry at that. And I thought, this is disgusting. This is a 12-inch wide plank. I have to walk from here to there, which means I have to let go of everything to get from here to there. And I, I, my knees are shaking and I'm feeling dizzy. This is stupid. A 12-inch plank, if you laid that 12-inch plank on, on the floor here right now, I could do cartwheels on it. So why can't I do that three stories high? Why all of a sudden when I'm three stories high, my brain, my body starts to go into spasms to where I'm having, uh, it's actually weakening me, <laughs> making me more vulnerable to fall off this stupid thing, you see? It made me angry. And God said, that is exactly how faith is. You can say, I'm not going to fear, I'm not going to fear. The Bible says, don't fear, okay? You can say, I'm not going to fear, I'm not going to fear, I'm not going to fear. That does not make fear go away. <laughs> Any more than, than me saying, I, I can do this, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to be afraid of this. No, it didn't make the fear go away. I had to do it enough to get used to it. But just saying I'm not going to put up with fear did not make it go away. Okay? What is the difference between the plank up there and the plank down here? All of you could walk on the plank down here. Probably very few of you could walk on it up there. What's the difference? The danger. 
You make a misstep up there, and you are dead. You make a misstep down here, and it's, you know, no big deal. Okay? The danger is what makes the difference. And fear is a normal response to danger. It's not necessarily a bad response. It's a response we've learned ever since we fell off the bed the first time when we were babies. It's like, hmm, heights, they mean something. <laughs> I'm going to respect them. It's a, it's a good response. You don't want a baby that never understands that. You want a baby to understand, I'm not going to just fall down the stairway. I'm going to honor it and respect it and scooch down a stairway like you're supposed to. Fear is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a normal, natural instinct that God has put in us to avoid danger. So how do we fear not? The Bible says fear not. Many times it says fear not. Uh, How can we do that? You get rid of the danger. That's the only difference between that plank up there and the plank down here. It's the danger. You get rid of the danger. How do you get rid of danger? You read the Word of God and it says there is no danger. Your enemy's defenses have fled from them. That's, that's a quote out of the Bible. Your enemy's defenses have fled from them. That means this enemy that's looking you in the face that looks so powerful, so scary, he's going to destroy you, your family, everything that you've ever hoped and wanted. He's going to destroy it. He looks so powerful And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, no. (laughs) You're nothing. You have no power. You have no defense against me attacking you, let alone you attacking me. My shield of faith, there's no way you can penetrate it. And all of a sudden your respect for that enemy goes, The, 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 the fear disappears because the danger disappears. You realize this guy is not a danger to me. You begin to realize that all these lies of the devil, they're not a danger. It's going to be okay. And when, the, and when the danger disappears, the fear disappears. So if you want to get rid of fear, you get rid of the danger by reading God's Word and find out what the facts really are. Okay? And I can't remember what the other example was. So, <laughs> Thank God we have next week. Okay. Um, I want to pray for my brother John before he goes to Europe. You guys up for that? Amen. So um, why don't you come forward? We're going to pray for you, and then I'm going to turn the service over to you. You guys want to come up, and and let's lay hands on my brother. guys pray at will i'll start out heavenly father i thank you for my brother john i thank you for the gift that you put in him lord i thank you for the open doors that you've given him over in hungary and in romania and in that entire area lord god bless him coming in and going out like you promised you said blessed shalt thou be coming in and blessed shalt thou be going out Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. We claim that blessing on him and on his life and on his ministry in the name of Jesus.
You might say from being by him, but at least the next two weeks, Lord, he has no power over him at all. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father God, but that you would just, you would be teaching and flowing mightily through him, and he would know your power in an even greater measure than he does this moment. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. We declare that you yourself, Lord, are his strength. You are his power source. You are his super suit. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Amen. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for that prayer. Thank you, Vernon, for coming and being here today, this week and next week. And uh, if you can get me your notes, uh, what you didn't, what you didn't preach, uh, I could. Uh, I'll, I'll look them over and see if they're okay for next week.